This week, the not-so-sweet message for Tesco as it drops Silver Spoon, the only sugar made from British sugar beet. We've obviously been slightly lacking in our messaging of what we do and do well, and we need to raise our story and our game out there. We'll hear more from the new chairman of the NFU Sugar Board. Plus, we've an update on the end of this year's beet campaign with a quiz question for you as well. So uh, pens and paper, maybe even a calculator at the ready for when Nick Morris joins us a little later on. Also, we're talking water management with Kelly Houston fisher from Anglian Water. The UK agriculture sector cannot afford to lose any more actives. There are so many at risk currently. Sunday, March 12th, 2017. This is The Farming Programme with John Dunderdale. Good morning. We're giving our customers what they want at a price and quality they expect. The message from Tesco this week as it confirmed it's changing its sugar supplier from Silver Spoon to Tate & Lyle. It's a move that's angered sugar beet farmers here. Silver Spoon, of course, the only sugar made by British beet. Tate & Lyle is from Kane, grown thousands of miles away and brought into the country. It's certainly raised a lot of questions, including whether enough is being done to promote the fact that Silver Spoon is British. Just last weekend, someone managing the co-op's social media account made a bit of a gaffe when asked why a local branch wasn't selling British sugar. The reply from someone calling themselves Jordan stated, We don't sell British sugar because there's no such thing. We can't grow cane in this country as it's too cold. We are sending Jordan a link to the Farming Programme podcast. You never know, he might learn something. Uh, Michael Sly is the newly appointed chairman of the NFU Sugar Board. Michael, uh, congratulations on the appointment first. Thank you very much, Sean. And thank you for joining us on the programme. What what do you make of this decision by Tesco? I think for growers, it's very disappointing that it denies uh, them and their families and uh, consumers out there a choice in the supermarket to actually choose between homegrown, locally produced um, beet beet sugar or um, refined uh, cane sugar. You've never had the choice of two in the supermarket. That's how it always, always was. doesn't say that that's how it should be in the future. Shouldn't the consumer have the choice? Because we reflect here on the programme just how much beet growing takes place in, uh, in our part of the world. And and I guess shoppers know that, that that beet is local, don't they? Well, you know, from Yorkshire through the East Midlands and, and across into East Anglia, um, many, uh, many consumers would know or hopefully would know that we, um, that we produce um, some of the best uh, sugar in the world uh, sustainably, one of the most efficient processors on the planet, and... The farmers actually do a very good job of producing that sugar. I think one reflection of it is, though, as an industry, we've um, obviously been slightly lacking in our messaging of what we do and do well, and we need to raise our story and our game out there to spread the word of the great things we do. What's also uh, has been quoted a number of times, obviously, uh, we have the sugar beet factory uh, in Newark. Also uh, in Suffolk, in Bury St Edmunds, there's a Tesco next door to it, um, which is, you know, it's crazy. Silver Spoon being made in uh, in Bury, the other side of the road from a, from a Tesco store as well. And people, I think, in Suffolk are scratching their heads a bit. I think, as I said earlier, it's disappointing, but we all know with supply chains, um, this is a commercial arrangement between Silver Spoon and Tesco's. 
and we all know when we produce something, it's produced in a plant or factory, and then it could go many miles to a distribution centre before it comes back. So it's all very good to ride the wave of the PR uh, and what we all feel with the emotion, but the practicalities of the commercial world don't quite fit in that space, do they? No, that, that is very true, very true. What, what, what will you be doing then with, with NFU Sugar? What do you think you can do? Um, I think what we'll be looking to do in the future um, is work closely with British Sugar um, uh, in a partnership going forward, particularly now that quotas will be finishing in um, uh, at the end of September 2017. We then have um, the exit from the European Union. It does give the UK sugar grower opportunities, not to say that there won't be inherent risks in there, but we have the potential for a strong industry and we need to communicate that to the public that actually from the rural economies of, of the areas where beets produced, that's nine and a half thousand jobs. Um, a processor that invests in their plants and from the farmers also investing in their harvesting equipment and drills and, and to the hauliers. I think there's the opportunity for a thriving industry going forward, but we all have to work closely together. Michael Sly, the new chairman of the NFU Sugar Board. Well, uh, as I say, Tesco has said this week that it's uh, been reviewing the sugar range to make sure they're offering the products customers want at the price and quality they expect and have decided to change supplier from Silver Spoon to Tate and Lyle. Tate and Lyle have so far not commented on the issue, but they and Tesco are more than welcome to come onto the programme if they so wish. We'll have more on the Beat Campaign, meanwhile, a little later in this programme. Last week, we were at the Lincolnshire Farming Conference, and one of the subjects we didn't have time for on the programme was that of water management. Well, let's put that right now, shall we? Kelly Hewson-Fisher is catchment advisor for Anglian Water. I asked her if there was one thing she wanted those at the conference to take away from her session. What would it be? It's interesting talking to colleagues, actually, and they were asking me exactly the same. What did I want delegates from today to take away? Um, And there were two things, really. One was understanding where you farm and how that actually impacts on our catchments. So having a look at the maps that I've had produced um, to be able to actually show you where your land is, where do you farm, and how does that impact the quality of water that we have to abstract for drinking water. So that would be a big impact. And secondly, just having a look on the farm and just seeing where you can make those 1% improvements that I talked about. So where those 1% changes can be made to try and ensure that we can keep those actives and pesticides in the yard, in the field, rather than them, um, allowing them to escape into those, those watercourses. It is crucial, isn't it? Water management particularly is crucial. Absolutely. And I think, as I said on my last slide, um, the UK agriculture sector cannot afford to lose any more actives. There are so many at risk currently that it feels that we're losing actives left left, right and centre and I think the role that I have is an important role of linking the agricultural sector and the water company to allow information to be brought to the agricultural sector to ensure that we can work together to try and avoid any loss of actives because of poor water quality. You say it is that working together, isn't it? It's working collaboration with each other. Absolutely. And I think historically there has been a sort of them and us, as somebody mentioned earlier today, actually, a farmer sort of said, you know, historically the water company, it was a a them and us situation. Um, And yeah, it's a brand new team within the water company. So I'm learning as I go along regarding the water sector. I'm very much from an agricultural background, Um, but it is very much trying to work together to see what practically works. But it's also showing the agricultural sector what the water company has done, is doing, 
doing and, and will continue to do going forward to ensure that we reduce those levels of pesticides that we see in the water. So there's a lot the water company is doing that maybe the agricultural sector isn't aware of, um, but we need to work together going forward, definitely. And do you think it is, it's, communication is key? And obviously you having an agricultural background as well, you kind of can see it from both sides now. Absolutely, communication is key. And as I say, this link wasn't here before, so it's a brand new link within the within both sectors, really. But it's been um, positively received, um, been here for two years. Um, initially, I, I sort of worked with the agronomist, so I tried to make that link initially. Um, and I now have a contact of 58 agronomists across Lincolnshire, um, where I provide information on a weekly or more regular basis with regard to pesticide levels, active levels, um, or just what we're doing within the water company to try and keep the sector up to date with what we're trying to achieve and, and what we're doing going forward. Um, last year I attended 87 events, meetings so trying to get that information out into the sector but as I mentioned before as well it's about taking the information back internally within the water company so taking the drinking water inspector on farm was, was quite a, a good achievement last year and the board of Anglian Water taking them onto a farm and their response of they've never had a meeting on a farm before but it was interesting actually showing them what farmers do, what they have to do what they have to um, comply with, cross-compliance, water framework directive, NVZs. It isn't just about, you know, sitting on the tractor going forward. So Kelly Hewson-Fisher of Anglian Water. Well, one of those uh, agronomists Kelly works with is our very own Sean Sparling. Yes, good morning, Sean. And I think it's worth re-emphasising, actually, that agriculture today, modern agriculture, is a real collaboration between farmers and contractors and agronomists, advisors in general, the Environment Agency, catchment-sensitive farming, all these initiatives pulled together to make sure that we're producing food sustainably and safely, we're producing affordable food in a way which is kind to the wider environment um, but all at the same time we're monitoring the water, we're monitoring soil ecosystems and Mother Nature herself to make sure that our influence is as minimal as possible and as beneficial as possible. So um, it is worth just pointing that out because that often gets lost in translation. I think 99.99% of the time we get that absolutely right but sadly it's that 0.1% or 0.01 I should say percent which gets picked up by the media if it goes wrong and it's very disheartening sometimes to know how hard we're working to get the job right um, and then just hear people criticising what we do. So it is a collaboration and I think we do a damn good job in this industry. So let's just move on to agronomy then. We'll start with winter crops in a second but we saw a change in the weather this week. Midweek we got up to 11s, 12s, 13s, walking fields in shirt sleeves and boots rather than wellies because the combination of longer days, warm temperatures and this horrible gusty wind that's all drying out these fields and the crust is now on them. It's got a little bit of work to do because underneath it's absolutely sopping wet still. Um, but we will get there because there is now light at the end of the tunnel for the spring drilling campaign. I'm just hoping it's not a train coming um, down the tunnel at us. Uh, so let's start with winter wheat and winter barley. The winter crops are already in the ground. Winter wheat, Atlantis going on now. Remember, dry leaf, the black grass leaf will be dry half an hour or an hour before the wheat leaves are. Make sure you put it onto a dry leaf. 12k maximum forward speed to get the best coverage you can. Don't use bubble jets or air induction jets or drift beaters. Use a medium fine quality spray get everything right like that and then if it doesn't work you know it's not your fault there's nothing worse than putting it on wet and then after the event thinking oh i should have waited make sure you uh play the percentages with atlantis particularly on black grass because the black grass is out to get us and it's starting to win the battle um 
bit of mildew out there, but it's dead. Same in the barley, the mildew out there is dead. It's nothing to worry about. Yellow rust we're starting to see in reflection in Cordial. You can see it in Skyfall, one or two other varieties as well. I don't think there is enough to consider putting a pre-T0 fungicide on. Um, you're going to be going in a couple of weeks' time with a true T0, and that combined with the T1, if you choose the right product, should easily be man enough to dry out the yellow rust which is in there and get you a clean start. Um, the worst thing you could do at the moment is go out with a sniff of a triazole and the temperatures suddenly increase because the effect that will have on septoria is that you will increase the chances of that resistance moving quicker than you want it to. So just bide your time on fungicides at the moment. Similarly in uh, winter barley, no need for T0s at the moment, but I guess another week or 10 days of weather like this and we may well be getting there. Um, winter old seed rape, light leaf spot levels are just about identical to what they were last week. I haven't seen any threshold. So remember if you're putting clopyrrolid, picloram on your old seed rape, the cutoff is when the buds start to rise above the canopy, not when the buds are in the canopy. The buds are there now, easy for all to see, but that rape will go through some stem extension before the buds extend and it's the buds extending which is your cutoff. So plenty of time yet. Fox, slightly different story. Once the buds are under filled and you can see them you really don't want to be putting fox on because you can cause some damage to the crop if you're doing that and it is a lot, an off label so it's all down to you I'm afraid. A little bit of fungicide however dropped in as a growth regulator, tebuconazole, metconazole, all of those things will give you a shortening effect. Um, you could drop that in with some manganese, some boron, some magnesium should you need to do that at the moment but again no desperate panic unless you've got cleavers in which case the picloram side uh, needs putting on and if you've got thistles, mayweed, sow thistles, groundsel, that sort of thing that's where the clopyrrolid comes into its own but remember the restrictions on uh, Galera where you have this three-year restriction between applications on any one field. Um, moving on to spring drillings then, um, very little activity really apart from on the heath but a spring barley going in. In the main where we are growing spring crops for black grass control you're probably better to wait, let these fields dry out and get another flush of black grass which is just starting to come through now. You're better to start in three weeks clean than start now and have all that black grass come up with the crop. And remember if you drill today it will probably take three weeks to come through the ground. If you drill in a fortnight's time it'll come up at the same time. Um, so fine firm seed beds are always going to be better for black grass control than cloddy rough seed beds same goes for all crops really sugar beet consider putting that in in good condition don't put it into wet conditions and cloddy conditions bide your time and put it in properly um, i know there are contractors out there now actively seeking uh, drilling business but uh, just remember that it's your farm it's your crop get it in as well as you can go back to basics it always used to be a fine firm seed bed peas and beans as well they don't want to be put into wet soils you'll get foot rot fusarium they don't like wet feet and also of course if you haven't already ordered your uh, pre-emergence herbicides for peas and beans you might want to just ask the question because things are getting a bit tight um, and that goes for as the spring wheat the spring barley as well if you're growing them for black grass control use preems use the tools you've got available to you because there is precious little you can do once they're through the ground though things are starting things are moving and you can tell it's nearly spring because the the rain's getting warmer. Indeed. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Earlier, we heard from NFU Sugar on that decision by Tesco to change supplier. Well, let's now get the latest from British Sugar itself, as the beet campaign is over for another year, although the next one is already getting underway. Uh, Nick Morris is at a much quieter Newark beet factory. It is, yeah. Much, much quieter. It's... Uh 
quite peaceful, actually, at the moment, now we've finished campaign. So uh, I thought I'd run through my normal type of report, really. We uh, processed for 149 days, and we closed our Weybridges on Tuesday the 28th of February. Uh, and we actually finished processing the following day, once we'd worked through that last bit of stock. But uh, that took our production to 1.4 million tonnes this campaign, so a much bigger crop than probably we were first anticipating. As I've said previously, uh, we tend to measure and report our general f- sort of factory performance on average daily throughput. And this year we achieved 9,200 tonnes a day of production. And that was uh, slightly below our uh, production target by about 250 tonnes uh, each day, mainly owing just to a few handfuls of breakdowns and technical challenges. But overall, we've had a very good campaign in the factory. Looking on to the uh, crop uh, for the campaign, I'd firstly just like to point out that the physical quality of the crop has been exceptional and we saw very little in the way of any deterioration of roots uh, and no doubt again owing to the kind autumn and winter it was a relatively clean crop as well free of uh, soil and dirt. In total we had 49,000 loads of sugar beet delivered to New York factory with an average dirt tear of 6.2%, sugar content average 17.15% for the campaign which is probably on the, the disappointing side of things. However, thankfully, physical root weight made up for it. And that is really where this year's yield was delivered, culminating in an adjusted yield of 70 tonnes per hectare. As, as I have reported throughout the season, we have been really fortunate that the weather conditions have been so conducive for growth over the autumn and winter. And it's been quite remarkable the amount the crop has grown over that time. So, yeah, we're very gr- grateful for that. Uh, I'd just like to take the opportunity to thank all of our industry partners that have contributed to this sugar beet campaign, and particularly as we're on the farming programme, of course, our growers, hauliers and harvesting contractors in particular. Uh, Also, though, thanks to the general public for perhaps affording some of your patience at times while uh, you might have come across machines travelling on the roads between fields. At the end of the day, this is all part and parcel of a British homegrown success story. Out of interest, I thought I'd calculate the equivalent amount of bags of sugar we would have produced this campaign at Newark Factory, and thought I'd start by asking you, Sean, so how many do you think? How many bags of sugar could you, using the sugar here, yeah? Yeah, using the sugar we produced this campaign at Newark Factory, how many one kilogram bags of sugar do you think we've made, would have made? I gave myself some thinking time there by asking you to to ask the question again. Um, I would go for... Uh, 10 million. Don't, don't, I, I'll tell you what, don't tell me whether that's right or wrong yet. L- why don't we ask the question to you, dear listener, and we'll tell you at the end of the weather forecast. So don't, give, don't give us the answer yet. Am I close with 10 million, though? Uh, I can't comment, but right. that's a uh, good start. OK, all right. So we'll tell you at the end of the weather forecast. We'll come back to Nick and get an answer to, uh, to that question. As we're talking about um, bags of sugar, uh, we heard from uh, from Michael uh, from NFU Sugar earlier in the programme at the, the decision by Tesco. Um, we talked about the Bury St Edmunds uh, factory, and of course that's where actual bags of sugar are made, aren't they? That's where you do bag up your sugar. Yeah, that's right. So we don't have um, silver spoon bagging planks at all four of our processing sites. We have one uh, main silver spoon bagging plant at our Bury St Edmunds factory, where all of our uh, uh, products which are uh, bought by the consumer from uh, retail centres are, are actually produced. Not from Tesco anymore, though? Unfortunately not. No, no. sadly, Tesco won't be uh, um, supplying Silver Spoon, Red Tractor, homegrown uh, British-produced sugar. 
And Michael was saying there that, you know, we need to perhaps as, as the public do more to promote the fact that there is British sugar. Sugar is made here. You know, again, I mentioned the, the co-op uh, message that was on, uh, on social media as well. They didn't realise, or that individual, Jordan, didn't realise that, uh, you know, we do do sugar here in Britain, that it is grown sugar beet, not cane, but sugar beet. So do you agree with Michael, you know, promoting it as much as we can? You appear on the programme each week or every fortnight during the campaign, of course. Absolutely right. I think... Um, uh, as our industry with with sugar, we cannot do enough to promote that message to help people understand where sugar comes from and the fact that around 60% of sugar in the UK is produced from sugar beet, uh, grown here in the fields in the East Midlands and East Anglia, around people's homes in their communities. Um, and you know how important that is as an industry. It supports over 9,500 jobs in those areas, uh, and it's, it's vitally important to our to our economy. What about next year's campaign then? Because, okay, this year is over. Um, Putting it to bed, if you like. What happens as we enter 2017 then, 2018? Yeah, so uh, we we should already be there. Um, Sadly, uh, we haven't drilled very much yet because we've, we've, even in the first eight days of March, we've recorded over 30 millimetres of rain, which is uh, ample. Thank you very much, uh, Mother Nature. Um, So we're we're hoping to get sowing next week. And it's... Really important to remember that it's not so much about when you start, it's about when you finish with sugar beet. Our objective is to get the crop sown by uh, the end of March to give ourselves the best chance of uh, maximising our yield. It's uh, an interesting fact, uh, and not necessarily well known, but 70% of the yield potential of a sugar beet crop is actually determined when the drill leaves the field. So there's only 30% left left to go for. So everything that leads up to that point is critical, and drilling date is, is one of those. So soil temperature now, it's over 6 degrees, so it's easily warm enough for a fast emergence. So the main message is as soon as soil conditions are fit, and that must reiterate that it's not about the calendar, it's about waiting for conditions to be right. It's, uh, uh, you know, we should get saying once those conditions are allow aim to get finished drilling by the, the, the end of March and ultimately we're sowing 115 to 120,000 seeds a hectare and that should establish the target uh, plant population of 100,000 plants. And then, simple as that, once it's drilled, put a third of the nitrogen on, pre-emergence herbicides and most importantly, let's reflect on the lessons from what we learned the previous year what can we do better to increase yield this year absolutely all right well thank you nick we'll speak to you again soon in fact we'll speak to you at the end of the weather with the answer to that question indeed great thanks sean nick morris from british sugar back soon see if you can work it out there's no question over who's with us from open field this week it's uh, tom miller hello tom good morning so what's uh, happening uh well uk wise uh not a lot of movement on old crop really uh it was new crop prices middle of the week uh, which were underpinned by the ahdb survey that winter planting in England and Wales as at the 1st of December 2016 uh, were down 5% year on year uh, which depending on yield could mean another tight UK balance sheet next season uh, and that's on the back of a significantly reduced carry-in from old crop so things again could be interesting next year. Um, Add to this, sterling has also been on the defensive particularly against the US dollar which has brought us closer to doing fresh export business uh, than of late which could tighten old crop stocks further. USDA report was released on Thursday. Uh, it was not expected to be a game changer and deliver the anticipated increase in the Australian and Argentinian crops and upgrades to South American maize crops. US futures have continued to slide on the back of the strengthening dollar, uh, prompted by confidence that interest rates will be raised at this month's meeting, I think it's next week. Um, even continued dry weather in the Great Plains and parts of the Midwest couldn't halt the decline in the US futures. 
another thing to note uh, in international news is food rights in Egypt. Um, earlier on in the week uh, will probably result in additional government imports. Uh, farmers there are abstaining from sales of new crop due to the weakness of the Egyptian pound. Um, with which Saudi Arabia in the market and expectations Algeria will follow shortly is likely to support the quality end of the market. Uh, Look at rapeseed. It's been a difficult week for the markets. Uh, Recent volatility continued and Matif fell €10 between Monday and Tuesday, so big volatility there. Uh, Farmers have been absent from the market at the lower levels, uh, especially so that now spring cultivations and sprays have started, they're turning their minds to other things. Uh, the only positive point for the domestic market has been the lower currency, currently worth less than €1.15 to the pound. Uh, so wider afield, uh, South American crops continue to get bigger, price relationships still point towards a record large North American area to be planted this spring. Um, US funds still seem to want to defend their long positions on the markets, uh, at least until the extent of the US planted area is known. Um, and with long positions of over half a million contracts across the total oil seeds complex, any change could be sharp uh, and painful those holding the old crop long positions. So let's have a quick look at prices then. UK April feed wheat is 146 to 148 x, June 149 to 150 x. November new crop 17 feed is 136 to 137. Uh, nearby Group One milling premiums are poor at zero to a couple of quid over feed. Feed barley is 120 to 122x for May. Harvest is worth 108 to 110. Uh, November 17, 113 to 114. Old crop malting barley price is being supported by the middle market shorts, circa 25 over feed, and new crop spring malting barley, 20 to 25 over feed, depending on location. Uh, old crop oilseed rape for May is 137 to 149x. Harvest 307 to 309 uh, with an eight pound carry through to November. Feed bean markets off its highs. Demand continues to be hard to find, uh, especially in the nearby months. Uh, further pressure will come due to quality beans having sold into the feed market as there's no export or domestic demand for the better quality springs. April feed beans are worth 158 to 161, again, depending on location. Thank you, Tom Miller, Open Field. That uh, answer from Nick Morris in a moment. First, the weather for the week ahead. The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. Well, it looks like another fairly unsettled week ahead. Staying mild, though, today, temperatures at 13. Some rain could be heavy for a time, first thing. Should dry out uh, as the day continues, though. The wind from the northwest, 10 to 15 miles an hour. That wind increasing a little bit uh, overnight, north-northwest at 10, gusting maybe at 25 miles an hour for a time. Clear skies, that'll push temperatures down to around 4 Celsius early tomorrow. And then tomorrow itself, patchy cloud, possibility of some early sunshine, but it will cloud over 12 Celsius the high for tomorrow. And the wind from the northwest at 5 to 10 miles an hour. Monday into Tuesday, cloudy, lows of 6 Celsius, should stay dry. The wind from the west-southwest, again, just below 10 miles an hour. And then Tuesday itself, more possibility of some sunshine, but it's still overcast in places, 14 Celsius the high, though. And that wind from the west, 10 to 15 miles an hour. Tuesday into Wednesday, staying cloudy, temperatures dipping to around 4 Celsius in places, the wind more from the east at about 5 miles an hour, and then through Wednesday itself, another dry day but staying overcast, 13 Celsius the high, that wind from the south-southeast, 6 to 10 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week, well it looks like it should stay dry, possibility of some heavy rain come the end of the week, but we'll uh, keep a check on that as the week continues. Generally we're looking at highs of around 13 Celsius and lows of about 6 
or 7 degrees. That's the forecast, and that is it for another week's programme. Oh, no, no, hang on. Uh, We need to go back to British Sugar and an answer to that question from uh, Nick Morris. Nick, what was the question again? So my question was, how many bags of sugar could we have produced from the volume of sugar beets we received this campaign? Well, I hope you've been working it out. We'll tell you in next week's... No, 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 we'll tell you now. Nick, what's the answer? (laughs) Well, roughly speaking... um, you could have worked it out if uh, if there was a, a basic understanding that uh, you need around seven kilos of sugar beet to produce uh, one kilo of, of sugar. So the answer is 200 million bags of sugar. Wow, 200 million bags if those bags had been made at Newark. Well done if you got that right or indeed even came anywhere near. I was miles out. Anyway, maybe Nick's knowledge should become a regular part of the programme. What do you think? Or maybe you've got a question you'd like to set. If so, drop me an email through the website. Until next Sunday, have a good week's farming.